Hi, I'm your host, Zach Hale, and this is Play the Ink, a podcast where we discuss the composer-performer relationship with living musicians and the way that the composer can change the way the performer performs and the performer change the way the composer composes. Today on the show, we have two guests that currently reside in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and both work at McGill University. The first is Fabrice Marandola, who is a professor of percussion at McGill. He also is a co-founder of the Percussion Sextet Sixtrum and the director of the Center for Interdisciplinary Research in Music, Media, and Technology, or known as Kermit, which is housed at McGill University. Our second guest is Philippe Lahou, who is a composer and a professor of composition at McGill University at the moment. We caught up with them on a Saturday morning over Zoom. And just to note, we did have some connection issues at some points, so you may hear some digital noise or audio dropping. We apologize for that, but we've tried to remove that as much as possible. Enjoy. So I'm kind of interested to talk to you both about your individual selves first uh, before we start talking about how you guys work together. So I I think some of the first questions I want to ask you both is just like kind of how did you get into music and where... You know, what were your inspirations and things like that? So I'll start with Philippe. Uh, The first question was like, when did you know you wanted to be a composer and like what kind of started you down that path? I think when when I was 11, I decided to to learn uh, guitar. And uh, so I was a very shy guy. But even with that, I go to the conservatory and I, I attended to a class. And when I came back, I took the guitar of my brother and I composed the piece. And uh, immediately, and you know, uh, so my mother had to learn me how to put the notes on the staff, etc., etc. On the kitchen, I remember that. And then I always composed. And uh, after I was... also very inter- uh, interested by uh, mathematics when I was uh, at school. So uh, I guess at 16, 17, I, I was sure that I wanted to be composer. Hmm. So it's interesting. You said that your mother showed you where the notes were. So I'm guessing your your mother, were both your parents musicians or what were their backgrounds? No, absolutely not. My mother was not a musician. Just she, she learned uh, the notes uh, at the school when she was very young. Oh, okay. And it was enough to, to to teach me. Just yeah, every good boy does fine. At least that's <laughs> the one we do in English. I don't know what we you do in in French for that, but yeah. Um, well, very cool. So I guess you're you play guitar. I guess is what you say. Do you still play guitar? And is that what you started on and kind of continue to do? Yes, I played guitar, and the one year after, I started to learn piano and then uh, harmony, etc. And also, mm-hmm. my my brother was a sound record- recorder mm-hmm. uh, on movies. So uh, at home, I was uh, having uh, uh, a Revox, you know, a Nagra, you know, old uh, tape recorder. So I learned very early to cut the the tape and to return the tape and. Uh, so after I was also, of course, very interested by electroacoustic music. So I entered the Conservatory of Paris with Pierre mm-hmm. Schaeffer. And at yeah. the same time, I was going to uh, Olivier Messian class, uh, composition and Claude Balif analysis. So it was very rich. 
And also something very important, uh, we had at this period um, uh, some uh, workshops at Radio France mm -hmm. uh, for young musicians. And it was incredible because, uh, for example, uh, we were able to use all the, the percussion setup of Radio France. I don't know if you can imagine, it's incredible. It's a, a treasure of instruments. We were having a broadcasting, so I composed my first piece for my colleagues, also ensemble piece. It's, it was really incredible, very dynamic period. That's amazing. And for people listening, if they don't know who Pierre Schaefer is, I mean, he's kind of the godfather of music concrète, which was, yeah, taking sounds and kind of creating, you know, pieces out of them and stuff like that. And did, so he, did he work at Radio France as well? Or I can't remember where he worked historically. He started to work at Radio France, uh, but after he created the uh, GRM Group de Recherche Musicale. Uh, so, but it was linked to Radio France also. Still at the period. same. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, maybe we'll talk more about that later, but we'll go to Fabrice now, performer, percussionist on this side. So just for everybody to know, there's always a composer and a performer on this show. So yeah, Philippe is our composer and Fabrice will be our uh, performer. So being a percussionist, uh, I guess the first question was percussion your first instrument, Fabrice? Yes, it was. And I decided very, very early on that I would play, be a drummer. I remember uh, when parents were building a, a new house in, you know, in the country, they were both like uh, teachers, school teachers. And uh, there was the guy doing the plaster and he said like, what do you want to be when you're growing up? And I was five years old at the time. And I said, I want to be a batterist, mm -hmm. which is like a drummer, but like kind of saying drummerist. Um, and and uh, that came from two things. The first one is my father was an amateur drummer uh, so we had a drum set at home, and when I was uh, young, when he was like meeting with friends in the weekends, they were still keeping playing together. They met at high school, and they had the band in high school. And when they were like you know meeting each other, they were all school teachers. Um, uh, they were like meeting once in a while, and he was playing drums. So that was one of my inspiration. The other one was a small, very small djembe-like uh, drum that was, you know, tourist stuff that they brought back from uh, Africa visiting uh, colleagues of theirs. And I always had this drum sitting in my room. And for some reason, uh, that was an inspiration. And it was something that drew me to Africa uh, since my early childhood. And that's what led me later, you know, to do my PhD in ethnomusicology working in Central Africa. There was a, a direct connection here. So as soon as I was old enough to, do, to go to the conservatory, the, the music school uh, in my uh, region, Montluçon, um, I started to do, we had musicianship classes and stuff, and then I was fascinated by percussion. And as soon as I could put my hands on sticks, I started, and I never stopped. <laughs> cool. Very nice. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, the other question I had is when did you choose? So it was like right away. <laughs> you didn't have any yeah, choice, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Cool. Well, very nice. And then after that, just from the history that I know you, then did you go to study with De La Clouse? And was that in Paris? Yes. So when I, was? I, I did my, my uh, studies and, and at the conservatory in a music school in Montluçon in parallel to, to my studies at school, so secondary school, high school. Mm. And then but I had the chance to have a fantastic prof. It was a very small city. It was a young prof. 
was an excellent pedagogue and very, very open-minded. So we did lots of creation, actually. In the, so we had a percussion ensemble almost, I think the first year I played percussion, I started to play percussion ensemble music. Mm. Uh, and I was like, through my whole life, I've been basically playing percussion ensemble music for over 40 years now, uh, because that was the upbringing we had. Uh, and then I went to Paris, so I did in parallel musicology at Sorbonne. And then I went to different conservatories uh, within Paris, and I had the chance to work with Didier Benetti, who was a fantastic percussionist, who was a French National Orchestra, he was a timpani solo, and Frédéric Macarez with the Paris Orchestra, and then with De Plus, the Conservatory of Paris, where Philippe uh, went for his studies, which is the conservatory, as we call it in France. Mm -hmm. um, and then with De Lécluse, which is in, in the world of percussion, was one of the most famous uh, you know, teachers uh, for classical percussion. And so I was among the last uh, students to have him because he retired shortly after. Oh, very cool. Yeah, for our listeners that aren't percussionists, they don't know, um, I think everybody plays the Deux Etudes, so the 12 Etudes snare drum book, and that's where everyone knows. That's not the only output that De La Cruz did, uh, not at all, but that's what a lot of people are very familiar with. So, yeah, the very important name in percussion for sure. Uh, so that's interesting too. So you did those in parallel. So you, uh, it's like the musicology and the studying. You didn't do like study, then do musicology? It was all at the same time or...? No, it was all in the same time, and oh, okay. I was also teaching because I, I I got my degrees for teaching in conservatories in France. So it was always a, a, a three things going in parallel, and always because in musicology after a while uh, for my masters I started to go towards ethnomusicology. So I had to do mm. field research. In, so I went to Cameroon, I think fifteen or sixteen times uh, over you know a period of years and and through my PhD, uh, and then it's it, it was always kind of a, you know run, do more of one, and then you leave the other one on the side for a while, and then you catch back, and sometimes you have the three running in parallel, and that also is true to those days. <laughs> I was <laughs> yep. doing too many things at the same time. <laughs> uh, just learn to, to cope with, with them better, I think. But um, yeah, it's just, I'm interested by research, I'm interested by performance, and I love teaching. So instead of choosing, I'm doing the three uh, as as best as I can. Yep. <laughs> Makes sense. Very nice. All right. So we'll go on to the next kind of topic. And so now we've talked about you both individually. So let's talk about you both together. When did you first meet? Uh, was it in France or in Montreal? Because you both are professors now in, at McGill in Montreal. So when was the first encounter that you all had with each other? I think it was uh, a meeting by chance. Uh, when I came for concerts in Montreal in the, uh, as part of the festival, uh, oh, I don't remember the, the name of this festival. Uh, Montreal New Music or Music March? Yeah, Music uh, March. And uh, we just met in the corridor, maybe one minute we discussed a little bit, and then we met again when, when I came to, to teach here. So it was in 2009. First at the uh, University of Montreal, two years, and then at, at McGill. That's yeah. right. You did teach it. Yeah, UDM first. And Fabrice, yeah. when did you start at McGill? So I'm trying to think 2009. So then when did you arrive? I started 2005. 
Okay. But I knew of Philip Music before, of course, and, and there's a kind of a funny thing because I was a student at Conservatoire of Paris. There was Delicruz as a prof, and Jean Geoffroy was his assistant. And Jean Geoffroy had worked with uh, Philippe uh, closely, and you you had written Philippe the piece uh, for Marimba and Vibes for the same player. And, and I remember seeing uh, uh, Jean practicing, or, or like, what are you doing? You have like the two instruments in front of each other. And he was like, oh, it's killing my back. I shouldn't have said yes to this one. And it's funny because then I told this piece, I coached a couple of times this piece, and every time I was remembering that. And everyone's like, what should I do? I put the Marimba first, the Vibes second. <laughs> and I was like kind of a first encounter of, of Philip's compositional process through someone else. And then uh, the first time we worked together was around um, the sextet for percussion, not de la vitesse, de la vitesse, de la vitesse, uh, de la vitesse. So off speed, you know, if we can translate in English, in English, yeah, <laughs> off speed, something like that, uh, which is only for non-tuned percussion instruments, uh, and it's a uh, very large piece, 20-25 minutes with a little bit of theoretical components towards the end uh, and, and, and some specialization happening. It's very, very challenging uh, individually. Each part is very hard to play, very difficult. And, and as a group, uh, putting together is also very challenging. And uh, so we worked hard on that. And I remember the first time uh, Philippe came and it's the, the, the room at the University of Montreal was not so large. so. You know, we are in a circle around the room, and he's like six, sitting, kind of the seventh point of the of the circle of the you know with the six percussionists. And I remember, like we started, it's a very very thin light roll in the snare drum. The six players on the same snare drum, and it kind of uh, starts as a roll and then becomes run bit of a grain. And you hear more and more of the the, the as if you were zooming into the sound. Um, and then it's very interesting. And then. We started, it was like, oh, that's way too loud. And we were all like already so, you know, trying so hard to play soft. And we were like, okay, <laughs> we're in for a ride. But it was fantastic. <laughs> it was a fantastic uh, experience um, because like Philip has a very clear idea of how, how what he has in his mind as sounds. And he was able to every time uh, explain them very clearly. And as soon as we were able to get the sound, any sound, any combination of sound, which is the most interesting to me, the way he's able to imagine different sounds, putting them together, and it sounds exactly how he wants them. So that must be his electroacoustic upbringing somehow. Mm. But once we are able to do it for everyone, it's like, oh yes, I understand. And it makes sense. And, and the coherence of, of the writing is something that's really fascinating uh, and, and makes it so interesting for us to play. So it is very challenging. The parts are, I mean, this piece and the other one he wrote for us, the Literation, are some of the hardest pieces we put together, frankly. Uh, but they're really, really uh, fun to play because they're, you, you have a, a horizontal line from the beginning of the, to the end. You know, it's like a continuous process uh, with different sections and, and, and the sonorities are so unusual that it's very, very interesting to work with so that that's interesting too it's almost like the the sum of the parts is more you know than or whatever it is it's like when you put everything together even all these hard parts it becomes i guess something greater so was that piece so de, de la vitesse was that written for six drum or was that written beforehand for another percussion sextet 
yes, the, the piece was a commission uh, of uh, Lepaction Strasbourg uh, mm. some years ago. It's a, maybe it's not so long. It's more. 19 minutes, but maybe, maybe it, it feels very long. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about speed, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe you manipulated time. <laughs> yeah. And the idea of this piece was uh, to, to, to work on the notion of um, on, uh, to create one sound with mm -hmm. six components in the sound. So for that, I, 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 I have chosen uh, to, to work on the... Um, you know, all the military drums, all the formu formules, formulas, mm -hmm. uh, the patterns you know, in military drums, and to su superimpose them uh, to create very evolutive uh, textures and to make interpolations from one to the other, etc. So the idea was really to create, to create a sound completely as a sort of synthesis, but not an additive synthesis, more you know, a sort of a granular synthesis or something like that. So that's interesting. I think we'll skip around here. But so who's kind of, what person would you say kind of influences that type of mindset that you have in composition? Because I, I have some people that come to mind, but I would want to see what you say. Who, who influences you to write like that? Oh, uh, first my background, which was both uh, instrumental and electroacoustic. So, because of course it's also a, a thinking of uh, of, of uh, this thinking of sound is really coming from the electroacoustic from the experience of the electroacoustic in studio mm -hmm. when you mix a lot of uh, tracks uh, and uh, you you create a new sound so um, but you know Xenakis was, was of course here um, I don't know uh, Stockhausen at all I don't know it makes me think of Stockhausen as well not but... so much. Hmm, okay. More uh, Zanakis, yeah. Maybe for the structural aspect, and even that I'm not sure. Maybe Kagel also. Hmm. For, for, because there, there is also a very uh, um, important uh, scenography in this piece, because all the musicians are playing on just one drum at the beginning, and little by little they extend... Uh, the setup, and at, at the end, they are everywhere uh, in the wings, in the in the audience, uh, everywhere. Maybe grisé, but yeah, not 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 so many. But tell me what you think. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was going to say Zanakis because I know you you studied with him, but that that kind of granular. I mean, I just think of even from like the, the algorithms that he's created, I think they have like Gendy and I, it, it reminds me of that kind of, you know, and you talked about mathematics as well, which is very Zanakis to me, kind of how you have the stochastic kind of thing that will create kind of yeah. these textures and things like that. So yeah. for me, he was an incredible composer. Uh, he, he's really somebody who can speak, who can speak, uh, about sound uh, in terms of uh, clouds, of uh, processes, uh, you know, so it, it, it was uh, of gas, cinetic of gas or, or functions. Or, so it, it was so refreshing after, you know, the, the, the Boulez period uh, with 12 notes, etc. So for me, it was, wow, super important. Do you, so you said you like mathematics, just talking about that. Do you, um, 
do you use any kind of like mathematical things or like open music, which is for listeners, a program that kind of allows you to do algorithms and more of a UI based thing. But do you use any of those techniques to kind of get that idea or do you do it all in your head or kind of on paper? No, I, I used a lot, but uh, finally, not so much in this piece. Uh, but, you know, in pieces like Voirex or Extended Apocalypsis, or uh, mm. a lot of my, of my pieces, I, I work on open music, yeah, to, to create, uh, to, you know, one of my, uh, come on, uh, horse of fight, mm -hmm. I think maybe, is, is uh, the, the fact to use the, the calligraphy as a model for a lot of things. And uh, so to deduce from all the gesture of the calligraphy, uh, you know, all the parameters, uh, the pressure, the, the, the strike, uh, the, the surface uh, draw, drawn, sorry for my uh, poor English. Um, I use a lot of uh, software like that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, for the composers out there listening, you should, if you haven't heard of open music, which I had not until I went to Montreal, um, it is very amazing program. Where was it created? What's the at place? Earcam, yeah. So, at Earcam, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah course, it was yeah. created at Earcam. So, and also, if you don't know what Earcam is, you should check that out as well. <laughs> but we won't before get into it, that. <laughs> before it was called Patchwork, and I started That's right. with uh, Patchwork in the '90s, and then it, it becomes it became uh, Open Music. Well, cool. So that we were just talking about percussion sextet. Um, so we can talk to Fabrice about Sixtrum because that is the percussion sextet in Montreal that, um, I don't know, did you found it or co-found it? Did you do it with other people? <laughs> I did it with other people. Okay. Uh, and uh, the first person I met when I, I set foot in Montreal was Robert Leroux, who was mm -hmm. professor at the University of Montreal, uh, famous percussionist uh, in Montreal, had been the dean of the Faculty of Music also, uh, at the University of Montreal, which is francophone, and, and I was working at McGill, became friends instantly, I would say. Uh, it was really, uh, you know, kind of two guys meeting, two percussionists, and it clicked right away. And, uh, and, and I had a couple of, of uh, lunches with Robert through my first year in Montreal, and we were discussing, you know, and after a while I was like, I'm very surprised because when I was 18, uh, I was not even 18, I was 17. The first time I went to Paris uh, on my own uh, to, to go to register for university and stuff, uh, I went to a you know, big uh, shop like, uh, with discs and stuff, and I went to the, to the section, they had a percussion section, if you can imagine at the time, it was huge, huge, it was La, La Fnac, which was like this kind of huge uh, uh, shop. And then I found a disc from McGill Percussion Ensemble. And I had no idea at the time that 15 years later, I would be a prof at McGill. Yeah, <laughs> it was very cool. Coincidence. But then I had in my mind when I came to Montreal, I said, wow, you know, there's, you know the, the music scene is pretty lively and the percussion uh, with Pierre Belluz was kind of the equivalent of De Lécluse for France. Pierre Belluz was the prominent player playing the orchestra, having a jazz quintet and doing all the contemporary music and stuff. And when I came to 2005, all of that was kind of, gone or, or deemed there was like not much uh, going around mm. so um, after discussing we were like Robert we need to do something we need to to start something and so the next year we got together started to think about putting things home together and our first concert was 2007 September 
And we played one of the huge pieces in the repertoire, which is Les Pleiades by Xenakis. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we rehearsed for 100 hours or something like that because it's really <laughs> a monster and we had never played together. So it takes even more time, you know, just to, to, to have the connection all together. Uh, but it was a fantastic um, experience. And so we started and we've been now, it's our 15th season uh, this year. And I think we have about to 50 commissions and new pieces. And so some of them was to Philip, and I said, Philip, you know, we would really like to do another piece from you. Would you mind, you know, writing a piece? And he said like, well, my agenda of commissions is over full, but for you, I will make some room. So that was a really, you know, nice okay. phrase. And so he set out to, to write the literation which, uh, well, maybe I will let uh, Philippe explain what it is about. Um, but that was, so that was the second piece. And we also worked on the trio uh, by Philippe, a trio that was composed for the Luxembourg competition. Uh, and it had many, many instruments. And, and with Philippe, we decided to try to do a reduced version in terms of instrumentation. So he reworked the piece entirely. It's called Les Uns for us. So the, the music is is the same, but the, the instrumentation is reduced. And, uh, and that's how we ended up recording uh, a CD with, uh, with De La Vitesse, Les Uns, and The Literation. So Sextet, Trio, Sextet. So maybe, Philippe, you can explain what The Literation is about. But ju- just to say for, for Les Uns, uh, it's a reduction of the instrumentation, but not of the music, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's oh, okay. exactly the inverse, finally. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fact to, to, to have reduced the instrumentation finally give more uh, strength uh, to the, the music, I, I think. Yeah. Oh, so uh, the literation, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, a piece in a cycle of three pieces, de la texture, which is for eight instruments, uh, de la vitesse, and de, li- de literation. And all are based on the same model of uh, a sort of a big bang, uh, an explosion from a germinal uh, element, and going like, you know, a sort of uh, uh, every particle uh, goes with a specific speed, etc. and there are some meetings, and, and at the end it becomes uh, a galaxy. Uh, it's three pieces. One, the first one was de la vitesse, which has absolutely no pitch, Second one was De La Texture, who is a sort of De La Vitesse, but almost only with pitches. And the third one was uh, De L'Iteration, which is a sort of combination of, of both. Uh, because in, in uh, De L'Iteration, you have only um, uh, pitchy uh, instruments per- of percussion. So, you know, marimba, uh, vibes, uh, glockenspiel, uh, crotales, etc. So uh, it's only pitchy. So it was uh, interesting for me to, to, to go from only noise, uh, noise, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of course, uh, noise is a wonderful thing. So noise, go to pitchy and comes back, etc. To, to have a back and forth uh, between noise and pitch, finally. Because noise contains pitch and pitch contains noise also. So we know that. So it's super interesting to navigate between them. That's a good question too. What I was going to ask is why do you like working with percussion so much? And maybe that's kind of the 
answer <laughs> before I ask the question is because you can have that noise. And I guess other instruments can do that, but I think we're pretty good at it. <laughs> There are a lot of reasons, but mainly, mainly the two uh, the, the two main uh, reasons are the fact first that with percussion we have to think completely differently because you cannot. Well, of course, if you if you play, you know, uh, chords uh, only for uh, for vibes, and you you can play again, uh, you know, uh, a Gabriel Fauré uh, romance or something, mm -hmm. but. If you want to to be a, a little bit innova innovative, you have really to find a new way to compose. You you have to find new connections between the elements, which are not based only uh, on pitch. So you have to invent. You have to to work more on the notion of energy, of dynamics, of of course timbre, etc. So that's a very important reason. And the second one maybe. Uh, relates to the first one, but it's the fact that the percussion in a certain way for me is a sort of a intermediate medium between uh, instrument and electroacoustic. Specifically because of, of, of that, it contains so much noisy uh, components and so much pitchy components also. So it's super interesting and also <laughs> I want to add that the percussionists uh, often, and Fabrice is a beautiful example of that, are so open, so open and so good also uh, technically. And they, you know, they, they are uh, always uh, ready to experiment new things, etc. So it's, wow, you know, it's <laughs> not like an orchestra when you, co you come, you come and you, you see, 80 people who think, wow, we have to play this music today. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, of course, all, all the orchestra are not like that. But uh, so here it's, it's really a sort of laboratory. Uh, incredible. I like that so much. Yeah, it's interesting. I just played a piece where I had to use toothbrushes because they were they vibrate and you put them on the vibraphone. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess you could ask a violinist to do that. And they probably would. But most of the times, anything like that, that goes to the percussionist right away. <laughs> anything bizarre. <laughs> so And also maybe the, the percussionists don't, don't have a so big uh, repertory uh, in terms of uh, romantic, uh, classical music. So, of course. They are also uh, very uh, open to, to 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 experiment, to create a new repertory, and this this is what they do actually. Yeah, I remember reading a book by Stephen Schick, and he says somewhere in there, it's like, well, you only really have like a hundred and twenty years worth of history. I guess you could go back to timpani with Beethoven, but I mean, really, that's what we got, and then we only really started doing solo pieces maybe in the fifties or forties, you know, so. It's like, yeah, we're we're less than a hundred years old almost <laughs> with mm -hmm. our so it's it's true. It's like, well, we're kind of still defining what percussion means. Um, at least that's my thought. I don't know, Fabrice, do you think that kind of way too? Or did I say something wrong historically? <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. Uh, certainly the first piece for solo percussion I think is in uh, in the fifties, exactly. And the percussion ensemble piece is the first one date around the first world war. Uh, you have a few pieces and then you have the big, you know, like uh, one of the first 
piece that made history really is Varese uh, ionization, uh, or because it was very radical at the time or so the way, and, uh, including sirens uh, and, and sirens because they don't have they don't slice the the, the pitches you know in, in in steps. It's like a continuous sound going up and down. Um, and so, and, and it's interesting because it, 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 the potential of percussion being as close to electroacoustic music uh, as you can without uh, being electroacoustic. So, because of the, 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 we have so many instruments, so many basically materials. We heat metal, we heat uh, skins, drums, we heat wood, and we can scrape it, we can shake it, we can rub it in so many different ways that the 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 range of timbres of sounds and textures we can create is almost infinite and i think that's one of the things that is fascinating a lot of many composers when they write for percussion ensemble because you can really experience and try things and experiment in our end for six room for example what we love to do is what we did with uh, with philippe is to workshop the piece so for example when he came with the literation which was a new piece written for us uh, we had discussed the instrumentation, and then I think we spent 10 hours, uh, three rehearsals, reading the piece from beginning to the end, so very slow, you know, but why did it take so long? Because every time we were checking what mallets to use for which section and which instrument. And, and uh, that's where we discovered that uh, Philips were thinking about hard mallets for us was translating an extremely hard mallets. <laughs> and so when you have the scale, you know, everything goes better. But it was really interesting because it, it was really a work together. What Philip had written on the page was 90 to 95%, to 99% uh, exactly what we had to do. So we spent a lot of time uh, setting things uh, and trying them. And as I mentioned before, every time when we were reaching the point that was satisfying to Philip, it was immediately obvious to all of us that we had reached the point. And then Philippe said, okay, there's a few passages where I want to change a few things. It's like, okay, here we need a bit more time here. Maybe we can use a bit more this texture or whatever. And then uh, we progressed and we on our side and, and a few, I think it was weeks or months later, then we did the, the real work of preparing the concert. But that was like, and, and of course, Philippe was there every time. Uh, like, not every rehearsal, but every time we were ready to play something and check things with him, uh, we could do that. So it was a very interactive process. And to me, that's why I love contemporary music, because I can work with the composers hand in hand. Uh, and I think when you work with a composer, you, you, you learn about their way of thinking about music. So the next piece, you're already with them, but then you, can, you have points of comparison. It, so every time you play one more piece from the composer, you go further in the comprehension of, of the way they have to write. And, and also you can propose new things that you think will just like prolongate their ideas, go even further and, and, and try things that someone would do differently. But they also uh, belong to my, like in my case, and my way of interpreting music. So I have my approach to percussion, uh, which is very based on the phrasing and, uh, and coherence of sounds. And, and, uh, and to me, is enjoying it, having fun. And, and I like things which are rhythmical uh, also. So it's, it's my way of performing and we go somewhere. I would like to add that uh, 
this moment of, uh, for example, uh, in the literation, the moment to choose all the mallets, etc., is is super important because if we don't do that, the piece is nothing. So maybe the piece is is written at ninety nine percent, as uh, said Fabrice. But actually, if we don't have this moment, it's it's like nothing. Uh, it's like uh, you know uh, you have a sculpture and but it's it's covered covered by a curtain so you see nothing so you have yeah. just to re re you know remove the curtain and wow that's that's and it is a way also to prepare the come on uh, the tradition the next tradition uh, the the future tradition of of the, this piece especially but this kind of music because uh, for example after the piece was uh, performed in switzerland uh, by, uh, by, by just the students of the, the Conservatoire de Genève, and has they they listened to the recording and they 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 saw the score with all the uh, the changes of, of mallets etc. And it was so yeah. it's important for the future also. Eh? That's you know, and that's something I was just thinking about when we we're talking about mallets, and I I I can't think of another instrument maybe that has that issue that maybe now we're trying to you know as we grow the history of the instrument because it's like okay so i have right here i have a you know mike volter red but uh you might have a you know uh vic firth uh whatever model or something like that but even like i've recently talked to iune about uh, or somebody about um steve rice stuff and it was like oh yeah well you know steve rice always used those these uh malatech blah 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 mallets and you're like Oh, that's the sound he wants. So it's almost like we're going to have a history of mallets, even, you know, when Mike Bolter is no longer a company, you'll be like, well, you know, historically they played that with Bolter Reds. Well, what's that? Well, they kind of sound, we, they, I might have one. Let me go find, oh, okay. So that's, that's super interesting that, and I don't know, maybe you guys can speak about that more, but it's like, I don't know of any other instrument where it changes the sound of it so much and that we have no reference point. You can say soft and soft does not give you enough text, you know, context, uh, I think. I, I think that the, the, arc, the, the bow of a violinist or cellist is something also super important. Mm -hmm. uh, I think maybe it doesn't have the, the, the all, all these colors we, we can choose with mallets, but this is a little bit comparable yeah I would think the, the only instrument I can think of is the organ because when you go to you know from one place to the next the organ even though they have the same kind of descriptors you know for you know 18 inches or whatever uh, it's the sound is, is different it's also very acoustically dependent of of the uh, of the room in the space in which it is a concert hall or a church uh, also of the maker uh, so I think, and I know that organists, every time they go play somewhere, they have to kind of remap, uh, you know, the the jeu that the, what they're you know, timbre they're using. That we probably the the closest, but it's true. And, and and we go back to mallets. I write down now all the mallets I'm using every time. But you know, some of them have been made specifically for me. Uh, you know, it's it's a brand. But then I I called the guy, and especially when I was in France, and I was like, okay, I have a bit, you know, a bit thicker, a bit heavier, a bit whatever, so that I actually the brand with my way, but they're 
you know, 10 years old and so the hardness is super specific. Yeah. So, and even if you get a brand, you know, it's any production, you know, uh, industrial production, it, it, it kind of changes over the years and especially rubber mallets. It's, it, and we have that with six drum. We're like, okay, yeah, we have that. And we take the mallets from, you know, a, a box that we have, especially for drumming, we have a set of mallets and then some of them have aged differently. So they don't have the same hardness that they had before. Yeah. So it, it's a game of constant replacing. So the fact that we have a very good recording now of, of Philip's piece, it's kind of, you know, a reference point because you can go listen and say, okay, so I see what it could be. And then you go around, but that will be alive. Uh, and, and, and then in 100 years, when Philip will not be longer here and me neither, uh, people will have to, to go and, and, and do things. So, but the documentation is very interesting. And what is fascinating to me also is that contemporary music becomes an oral tradition. Here we're speaking about music without electronics. Uh, and the funny thing is that when you add electronics and live electronics to pieces, the oral component of the transmission of knowledge is even more important uh, somehow. Uh, you, the know-how of you know, what is going on and how things are evolving. And so it's we're paradoxically, we have more and more ways to record what we're doing. But the, the, I would say the, the, the most crucial part of the knowledge is still oral and transmitted from one person to the next. Um, and so that's, that's quite interesting. And that's why like, this relationship between performer and composer for me is so important uh, to build and to be able to, to, to pass uh, to the next generation. And that's why it's important that we, we have our students playing those pieces and then they will, you know, They'll be the, 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 in the future, they'll be the one, you know, creating new ensembles and playing this music again and passing it to the next. I think that's uh, one of the very interesting things to do and to be the, 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 the transmitters uh, of knowledge. That's always, I remember talking to somebody, I forget who it was, but they, a Zanak, they had known somebody who was around when Zanakis was there and talked about Safa. And it's like, the the amount of knowledge you get just from talking to that person being like, oh yeah, well I played it for Zanakis and we talked about the piece. It's like more than anything I could practice or anything like that. So I agree with you that the oral tradition of being like, oh yeah, I played this for the composer and I remember this is like, it's still, it's always going to be important. It's never going to stop being, you know, or interviews, I guess maybe if we can document it in interview, you know, <laughs> audio clips or something would be great as well. So one thing that I was, thought was interesting or maybe it's not interesting to you all but you're both obviously from france um and you live in montreal is there any kind of lineage that you all feel from that um or it does it not matter at all and what i mean is like i think there's a rich history of kind of french composers and performers and stuff like that so like we talked about um Varese, or we talk about boulez or grise or any of these people and I always, for some reason, have this type of like, oh, that's a French type of sound, or that's like, that's something, I bet you that's a French composer, or they were, you know, learned from a French composer. So I wonder, like, do you guys feel that? Like you carry on some sort of thing, and or is like nation not really a thing you guys care about too much? Yes, that's a very huge uh, topic. Mm. 20 years ago, I would have answered uh, differently, probably. And now I think finally you're right. Uh, so there is, there is a, 
a North American approach, there is a French approach, there is a German approach, which is quite different from the French one. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So maybe the, the, the French approach in uh, currently is probably one based, but maybe it's not only France, I guess, uh, but it's, it's based on the idea that the music is a, is a discourse. The music has a, a discursive logic. So you have uh, sound configurations which have a, a more important function than some others which are more secondary. Uh, you have a, a syntagma, you have a, a syntagmas in English, uh, you have a paradigm, a parada mm. paradigm. Um, mm -hmm. So it, the music is something like a language. And uh, for example, in Germany, the, the main, the main uh, comment, uh, stream is, is more oriented, maybe moment form, so timbra, only timbra. Mm -hmm. So we follow each uh, microsecond of the timbre, but uh, not they, 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 they are less uh, looking to create a form, to create uh, a discourse, finally. And uh, in North America, often um, people are more concerned by the fact also to uh, include in the music all what they are listening uh, each day, you know, in the bar, uh, everything. So, so there is a, a strong uh, willingness to, to, to merge everything and to find a good, a good relationship between all these things. Um, but of course, after it depends of each person because you have you, you have French super American, you are American super French, you are German super French also, etc. So and French super German. Yep. Yeah, that's. In, I mean, that's that's kind of how I felt too. So I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels like that. Kind of how you explain, and maybe it's just like this is where that that idea germinated from French. But it's not like every French composer does that. But it's like. Well, Boulez kind of did the twelve tone thing, and then he kind of got into more things, and that influenced people. So it kind of, you know, bubbles out of that. And I don't know, maybe um, John Cage did certain things, and then that kind of bubbles out, you know, for the next forty years or something. So yeah, it makes sense uh, for sure. I don't know, Fabrice, what do you think? <laughs> well, I think it, uh, I like the, the way Philippe explains things because it's like it makes things clear for me as well. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think in 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 terms of percussion, uh, it is it is really uh, something important. Uh, you know, we, we we speak about the Russian school or whatever. You know, for piano, for example, and for mm -hmm. for percussion, the same. I would say the the, the what is behind uh, kind of the global thing in, in the in percussion in France um, derives from what I said uh, at the beginning from the Lecluse about the the insistence on musicality. So, for example, you know, you were mentioning the 12 etude for snare drum, which is, to my great surprise, a, one of the pieces, number nine, is asked for every single orchestral audition in the world, and especially in North America. You oh, don't yeah. have one orchestral audition without this, this little etude, which is uh, health, <laughs> health on earth to play. <laughs> yep. but it, because it's all very interesting, uh, so very challenging technically, but musically extremely interesting. And and uh, one thing I, I kind of uh, maybe if I there's one thing I could 
takeaway from the Lecluse was this insistent of what Philip was mentioning, the discourse. You have a discourse, you have a coherence to, to, to run from the beginning to the end. Uh, and even though he was not using too much metaphor about language, Jean Geoffroy, who was an assistant, used that a lot. And, and the idea of the st story, you, you need to make a, a story of what you do and you, 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 you say something. But the saying, you know, you need to say something, you need to tell something, uh, is a metaphor that is used all the time in, in France, in, in, uh, in the teaching. And the other aspect is that it's very uh, elite virtuoso based. So when you reach the Conservative of Paris, you reach the elite. It's a bit less so now, but, but uh, you know, in our young days of Philip and myself, it was uh, very much so still. Um, and it was really based on the virtuoso. Uh, so you play, the, your technical uh, proficiency has to be impeccable. At, you push, you push, you push, and in terms of musicianship also, which is very different in North America in the upbringing, which is way more based generally around the idea of the band, the orchestra, especially for, for percussion. Mm -hmm. And then you develop the solo skills. So the approach is different. The way of thinking is also different. Uh, and one thing that, that didn't help us when playing Philippe's music, his reference is, for example, Jean Geoffroy, because I think Philippe, you're testing stuff with Jean, right? Sometimes on Instagram, he's one of the best factionists in the world with the best technique you can even dream of. So the four of us behind, we have to reach this supersonic level. Yeah, These people can be very dangerous, actually. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, to, to, to come back to the question of the, this, this kind of school, I would say, uh, French school of percussion, that there's something about it, about the also sound quality. Uh, North America, what I found when I came, the sound, for example, is more in the head. You, you just like go a bit more like a drummer, actually. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas in France, it was more the contrary, kind of light and bright. So it's a, it's, it's a very huge generalization, of course, sure. but it, it feels a bit like that, you know, like this kind of, when you think about French music, you know, and, and the, the orchestras at Radio France, when they're playing Ravel, uh, for example, uh, they're playing Debussy, you have a color which is uh, extremely rich, so lots of colors, but the type of, of lightness and brightness in the sound, uh, which is different from other orchestras in the world. And I think for if you think in terms of production, we have a bit of that. Lightness, brightness, and one one term also that Delicus used a lot was lace. Uh, so what you play, all the little intricate little uh, flam drag, mm. all those little things, it was compared comparing that to lace. Uh, when you're, you know, someone who is like uh, doing some, some neat work, this idea of lightness, transparency, uh, and, and subtlety, actually. It's so funny. I always, I don't know why, but I always forget Ravel and Debussy. I, I don't know why it is. They're like in their own box in my mind. Like I don't think of them as French or English or anything. For some reason, they're just like this box in my mind of they're just special. But I'm sure, yeah, that has an influence on French music because they are French composers, which I always oh, yeah. forget. <laughs> oh, yeah, the color. I mean, yeah, I mean, nothing that I could see was like that. It's like, man, it just came out of... You know, it was amazing. You know, so. you know, for a composer like me, uh, uh, come on, uh, Debussy was was the the real uh, revolution of the of the music more more than Schoenberg. Mm, yeah, really more. 
you know, because Debussy, uh, Debussy's music is based on gesture, on texture already, uh, on uh, a harmony which is uh, re which relates to the gestures. Um, so it's not question of it's no more question of notes in a certain way. Yeah, that's very true. Things aren't like. I guess you can find like an A, A, B, A or some sort of form like that. But then some pieces are just like, man, it just seems like they're improvising. And then they wrote it down. It's like, who knows what, you know? And it's like, who cares? It's not an ABA format or if it's not typical ABA, you know? It, so it's true. Yeah, it's very interesting to think about. I haven't thought about WC or Ravel in a kind of way like that in a while. All right, well, we're getting towards the end, so um, we'll start to wrap things up. So talking about all this, and this is a great conversation so far, um, but kind of just we, with you working with each other, uh, maybe some of like pretty hard questions, <laughs> maybe, to, or things to answer, but we'll start with Philippe. What have you learned working with Fabrice? And I think you've already maybe mentioned some of these, but maybe you'll just give a bullet points. <laughs> Yes, uh, I would say uh, exigency. Exigency? Is it correct in English? Exigence. Uh, opening. Uh, talent. Uh, musical talent. Mm -hmm. well, mainly these three things. Enthusiasm. No, enthusiasm. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, enthusiasm to work together, you know, it's not just, uh, okay, I'm a performer, I do what I have to do, and then I, I leave, you know, it's, it's, it's real adventure. This is what I like. Yeah. But, yeah. but mainly the, 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 the exigence, ex exigence, yes, to, mm -hmm. to, to, to go until the end of the things, even if it is uh, tricky some, sometimes. Uh, difficult and uh, and I guess we in our work together we really reach uh, a very very interesting goal yeah. mm -hmm. this is what I would say so Fabrice then your turn <laughs> what have you learned from working with Philippe uh, well, thank you Philippe uh, I think what, what Philippe uh, calls exigence I think in English we could say like demand for quality but demand is like requirement for quality exactly the same that I, I get from Philippe. Uh, actually, there's, you know, it's, you know, okay, we have a, this kind of thing written on the page, and until you get it really exactly, uh, precisely, it's, it's not satisfied. And and, um, and sometimes you can see, oh, okay, okay. And then when you reach it, as I mentioned several times, you hear why, I understand why. And so, I always try my best, you know, when I have something in the page and then before saying, okay, you know, what this composer did, you know, I always try my best to go to the end of, of what I think, what I understand. And I always try to go uh, beyond the page somehow to, I always try to go to understand the thinking behind, the logic uh, behind why this not is there on the score. Uh, because if you understand why it's there, then you might find a solution which is not exactly what is written, but you find a solution that is actually actually suiting the, the, the what the composer was demanding. Um, and so with Philip, it's uh, what is really interesting is what on the page. You don't have to question it. You you know that it's it's there, but it's it's up to you to go there that far. 
so that's one thing. The other thing is like I didn't know some sounds we made together were even possible. Like the beginning, if you listen to the beginning of Deliteration, uh, is combining um, uh, bird calls, uh, J bird calls, with, which are windy, crazy, this kind of thing, mm -hmm. with with dead strokes uh, going down, and and it's the combination of all of that creates a sound I've never heard before. In 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 my experience of 40 years of playing percussion and listening to percussion music and contemporary music. Uh, and it's so refreshing to, to, to discover that we have so many new things to do and there are ways and there's, and, and when you open this door of his way of writing, you're like, okay, I just discovered a new planet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now I just have to go. And there's, you know, and so that's this kind of, uh, of thing. And, also the trust we have in each other. Uh, so when I, I, I say from the feet, you know, here it's really impossible. Uh, then he's like, okay. And he sits and he reflects for a few moments and he's like, okay, try that. And we try something. If it's good, it changes his score. So the trust of, you know, at some point what I had in mind is not working. It's very rare, but it happens. He's listening. And for me, the same He's like, I really need that. So I'm like, okay, I need to find a way to make it happen. Uh, and, and, and if you if he's if he needs this particular note or change or color, it's because it has a sense in the discourse what we were mentioning before. Right. And if we take that away, the discourse is not coherent anymore, uh, and it has so many implications that you have to rework the entire section. So uh, you know, that's kind of that's what we we like we like working with each other. Uh, unfortunately, he's too busy to write more pieces. He has like to work on operas and things like that. It takes a lot of time. But I would play his music like every week uh, if I could. Yeah. Because it's just very rewarding and fulfilling as a performer, uh, as, as an, an experience. And it's very nurturing, I find. Uh, for a prof, I'm a teacher. So, you know, after a while, sometimes you feel that you don't have any new things to say. And when if you go play Philip's music, you're you have a lot of things to say for a long time because you go back to so much depth in the sound quality and, and the, the 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 coherence of the music and the structure and everything that uh, it's it's kind of boosting, recharging you for a very long time. Yep, I could I could totally see that. And just as a note, I looked it up. I think exigence, it says like demand or extreme requirement. I think it's like determination is probably what we're looking for. Determination. I think you guys are both determined. You know, and you're Like you said, you're going to get to the end. <laughs> and, uh, and I would say that this notion of confidence each other is so important. It's really the base of a, a, a fantastic collaboration. But the, the interesting thing is that you don't find it until you try it, right? Uh, because it's not every composer I have a good relation with, and most of the time it is. But you know that uh, an understanding of this uh, dimension, like really feeling that you're on the same page, uh, isn't always the case. And you have to do it, and you have to try it, and that's how it goes. And then uh, you know, it's it's every time new piece, and every time you go deeper in the relationship. The professional relationship, and then of course the friendship, but the 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 the, the professional relationship redevelops over time as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's yeah, trust for sure. I think once you have trust in somebody on a, even on a personal level, then even in a professional level, it kind of bleeds over, and it's like 
you know, would you trust me if I gave you my keys to my car to go move it? Like, yeah, well, okay, I'm going to trust you to tell me this. I can't play this note <laughs> kind of thing. You know what I mean? I'm not doing you wrong. So, well, great. Well, I know, yeah, Philippe's working on this opera. I mean, I guess the last final question was what projects do you have upcoming uh, with each other, which I don't think uh, we just said maybe as any, but w individually, what's the projects that you each have coming up? Yeah, the project on which I, I am working is an opera. Um, so I'm I'm working for two 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 years now on it, and I have still one year, uh, three years each day, no no holidays, nothing. It's sometimes it's a little bit long, but I'm I'm very happy and confident. Uh, so it's an opera on uh, a text of uh, Paul Claudel, um, a French uh, theater uh, writer, and it it, sp it speaks about uh, uh, two sisters who are jealous one each other, and uh, and uh, and one uh, takes the leprosy. And uh, finally, both so she has to. Uh, I, I, I will. We don't have time to to uh, say everything. But uh, at the end, there is a, a sort of a resurrection of a child. Mm. Uh, so it's a beautiful uh, thing, uh, very dramatic, very with a lot of passion, a lot of also spirituality. Mm. So it's it's for me it's very good because it it has passion, it has drama, it has uh, spirituality. The the language of Claudel is fantastic. Uh, so I'm super happy to do that. And concerning our project for for the moment, it's a. Uh, some holidays because of we, we are too busy each, each other, I guess. But it will it will come for sure, absolutely. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, so we are we are, and on Seatrum's hand, like uh, and regarding Phoebe's music, we are trying to put together uh, a tour in in hopefully coming year, uh, based around uh, De Litteration, which is his piece. And because when he wrote this piece, we had also student composer, young composers. Uh, that were writing for the same setup because of course reductionist you know if you play a piece and then you play another one it's a totally different set of instruments it's, it's kind mm -hmm. of a nightmare of logistics so we had this idea of taking philip's piece as a centerpiece masterpiece and then have students and work with him and one of them is nina young who is now a, a, a very established composer uh, in in the states and nina wrote a fantastic piece which is called etched in sand with exactly the same instruments and they go extremely well together and then we have now two or three other pieces around keyboards instruments or marimba xylophone vibraphone etc uh, and then we went to we, we would like to tour uh, this music so it would be an occasion to to dig into Philip's piece again and, and have the occasion to play because the more you play, the more you know it, you you kind of go in very small nuances in it and things like that. So that's that for that. Personally, I still have in mind to do the orchestration of Ah Ah Ah, mm. um, which could which would mm. become Ap 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 as we discussed. Uh, with a small piece for percussion uh, because I have the sketch and I have a little bit of sabbatical time uh, next winter. So I would try to to preserve some of my time to to actually achieve that uh, thing that have been in my mind for I think four or five years now. Uh, so I want I would like to finish it and maybe it could be part of this little tour if we can uh, put it together. So it'll be for six percussion. So yeah, I, no promises, but I'm trying uh, that. And then for 
six from the next concert uh, is with the Gamlan, uh, so from Toronto, uh, Evergreen Club um, Contemporary Gamlan, and it's a Gamlan dedicated to contemporary music, uh, actually. And and some of their first pieces thirty years ago uh, were with uh, Cage and and. Uh, and, and people alike, and then they, they did lots and lots of, of new music, and we are putting together four new works. We did four commissions uh, for the two ensemble together, so it's 14 percussionists, mainly, uh, because the gamelan is not only percussion, but mostly percussion, it's a bronze gamelan, and uh, it would be fantastic. And it's in five or six weeks, so we need to get to work. And then we have, at the end of the year, it's a hundred anniversary of Xenakis, so we are putting a Xenakis concert. Uh, going back to our very first concert, those Pleiades, so at the end of 15th season, we are bookending uh, yeah. that, that kind of uh, little historical path for us and, and see where we are. Awesome. That sounds great. So many good things in there. <laughs> well, you got to make it down. We're based out of Tampa, Florida, so maybe we can get you all the way down here. We'll see. <laughs> I would love that'd it. Be, if you, that'd be really fun. <laughs> you ever came to USF? Yeah. You haven't been to USF yet in Tampa. So, I mean, that would be amazing. Um, I actually know the, the current professor there as well. So, yep. Maybe we'll check on that. Let's get that to work. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> well, thank you too very much. I think that's where we'll end it today. Um, I had a lot of fun talking to you about, you know, percussion and composition and history and culture and all that kind of stuff. So thank you very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Play the Ink. Stay tuned for our next episode, which will feature violinist and composer Mari Kimura and percussionist Ayun Huang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>